I'm Bob Brill. He's Eric Kramer. Welcome to Kramer and Brill, a fantasy football podcast. From me, you get 50 years of knowledge playing fantasy sports. From Eric, you get the kind of insight you can only get from a guy who's been a top player on the NFL stage. Leading quarterback with the Bears, Lions, and Chargers. He's been there, lends his firsthand knowledge to the things you need to guide your fantasy team to victory. Now, you can find us on the Radio.com mobile app, iTunes, Stitcher, Libsyn, wherever you get your podcasts. The easiest way, perhaps, just go to our website, KramerandBrill.com. That's KramerandBrill.com. Podcasts listed on the podcast page, or you can find them by clicking at the top of the homepage. Just check it out, KramerandBrill.com. So let me introduce you to my friend, my colleague and co-host, Eric Kramer. If you've been listening to this podcast uh, for this past year, you know Eric and um, uh, everything that uh, we've been talked about. We've had a nice run this fantasy football season. It's the conclusion of the NFL's 100th season. It was our inaugural season with Kramer and Brill Fantasy Football Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and you found it informative. So we're going to recap the Super Bowl first and then our picks for it. Uh, We'll do that first. We also want to take a look at how we did for you this season. It was a season in which about uh, for the third week on uh, the season, Eric and I both said the 49ers were the team to beat in the NFC. And while I picked the Ravens, he took the Chiefs. He had the last laugh there all the way down the line. And we Last week, we were joined by... Uh, right up until about seven minutes ago in the game. Yeah, exactly. You know, and uh, th- this game... Sort of cost me some money, but that's okay. Not a lot. But and Last week, uh, Randy Cardoon, sportscaster from KNX 1070 News Radio, and my colleague uh, joined us, as well as uh, uh, Eric's former teammate and um, former quarterback, uh, uh, Rodney Peet. And Eric selected San Francisco 30-20. to 20, Right score, wrong team. You couldn't have been too much more perfect on the score. I had... San Francisco 27-23. And when the Chiefs went, scored to go up 24-20, I was looking good. Because I was saying, if the Niners come back and score, it's going to be 27-24. I said 27-23. Uh, Rodney, Which they uh, very well could have. If and not for yeah. a little overthrow. Oh, jeez. I mean, uh, they were working very hard and diligently to get down there, and I was really excited about it. Now, Rodney said Kansas City 48-42. And uh, Randy said uh, Kansas City 45-42. So, your thoughts on the game itself, my friend? Well, I think that defensively, this, you know, I saw this as going to be a big defensive um, battle because mm-hmm. uh, the 49ers... Yeah, I didn't like the 40 scores I, at all. No. Uh, the 49ers, to me, looked like the dominant defense. But if you look at the last maybe, oh, five or six games of the season, um, Kansas City defensively was mm-hmm. right there, too. So I didn't see this as going to be a big, uh, you know, back and forth offensive affair, um, and I thought the, the 49ers, um, you know, really had it, uh, you know, to to be up by that many points with so f- few minutes left to go in the game. It looked like they were going to close it out. All they had to do was run the ball. Yeah. Or or so I thought. And uh, but you know it just didn't work out that way. But I thought the 49ers, I think, lost a real opportunity there. Um, you know, to seal that game away. But as everyone else has now said, you know, hey, I'm very, I, along with everyone else who follows the NFL, am happy for Andy Reid and all that he's put together right. with the Chiefs. Well, you know, I, going in, uh, uh, you may remember, and I listened back to the podcast to make sure I was right on this. I said for the 49ers to win, they had to pick off Mahomes twice, which they did. Mm-hmm. And I said they had to get 180 yards. I said if they get 180 yards and two picks, forget the sacks. They're going to win this game. 
They had 151 yards. And that was it. That was 140. They didn't get to the 180. They did get to the two picks. And when you look at that 40-yard difference, that's a first down, maybe a couple of first downs, extending drives, keeping the ball. Because the idea was to keep the ball away from Mahomes. No doubt. And in the fourth quarter, they didn't. And everybody points to that second drive where they had it was second and five. Mm-hmm. They had a five-yard run on first down. And everyone's thinking, okay, why not keep running the ball? Right. Put yourself at worst with a third and short where you've got you could either run it or pass it on third down. Um, on the other hand, he had an o- he had an open receiver in George Kittle. He was throwing to mm-hmm. Garoppolo, but it got batted down by Chris Jones. Mm-hmm. I think that that would have been a great time to run the ball. Yes, Kittle was open, but you know one of the things is that you have to account for is those things. Batted balls, incomplete. Jones played a great game. Things he had at least two bats. Three. So things that stop the clock happen when you throw the ball. They don't stop the clock right. when you run the ball. And, um, you know, at worst, you would have ran off 40 seconds right there mm-hmm. with the running play. And so, I don't know. I just, that was a, a time there I thought the uh, 49ers, I think, made. Uh, a critical mistake in play calling. One of the key plays of the game, too, and it's the I think the only real controversial play uh, as a result was that touchdown uh, breaking or not breaking the plane. Um, you know, it, it was uh, would have been fourth down and one yard to go. They probably would. Are uh, you talking about the last uh, uh, the, the, the touchdown where uh, they had to review it like a bunch of times, right. and then they they ended up giving them the touchdown. Which, if they didn't give them the touchdown, mm-hmm. though, the ball's going to be on the one yard line. Right, and it would have been fourth down. Yep. Yep. And which obviously they sure they would have gone for it at mm-hmm. that point. And would they have drawn a quarterback sneak though, with Mahomes who dislocated his kneecap? On a quarterback sneak early in the year. Good point. Now you know he, they were running the option like really well, right, right. you know, and they were the, uh, the other touchdown they got was mm-hmm. was an option, and uh, and Mahomes took it in himself. So I mean, did you think the ball broke the plane? Um, it was too hard to say, and I think they made the right call <coughs> by not reversing what they'd already called as a touchdown. I just mm-hmm. think it was too inconclusive um, to overturn it, and yeah, I can see how they would give him that touchdown. So. What happened here? Was it Mahomes coming back and finding himself? Because he didn't play very well in the first three quarters. Or did the Niners just let him off the hook? What do you think? I think that Mahomes was just Mahomes. This is what he's done all season. It wasn't like this is the you can't keep him one out of quarters. 18 games he yeah, played yeah. well in. This is something he did every single week. And it just happened that it, you know, and it wasn't like he played poorly the the previous three quarters he had a few errant throws he had the two picks but by and large he played a fantastic game start to finish and it was just when the game was on the line though that's what Patrick Mahomes now established that that's who he is as a quarterback Mm -hmm. that's why I think people are at ease now saying he's the best quarterback in the game and to me he looks like the best quarterback in the last 10 or 15 years he could go down with this precedent being set, as eventually by the time he retires, one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. No doubt. You know, I really, really see that because that's what the great ones do. They come through in the clutch. Well, look how long it took Peyton Manning, who's generally regarded as one of the top, mm-hmm. maybe the top or at least top one or two, three quarterbacks in NFL history. It took him eight seasons to win his first Super Bowl. And now Mahomes has done it after this is now his third season. Uh, but... They've got 
as long as you've got Patrick Mahomes and the world's most brilliant play caller and and basically a de facto general manager Andy Reid they're going to be great for a long time this is the first of maybe two or three four Super Bowls mm-hmm. that they win under Andy Reid Dan Marino may have an option there <laughs> <laughs> but Dan Marino never had what Patrick Mahomes That's now true. has and first of all he never had um, Patrick Mahomes' athleticism outside mm-hmm. the pocket. He never had a surrounding cast that was predicated on a, uh, you know, a timely running game. Damian Williams had 100, over 100 yards no. in this game and two touchdowns. Uh, their defense in Kansas City is becoming one of the stronger units. Marino never had that either. So I think, you know, the combination of Andy Reid, who has shown an incredible ability over many years, to adapt at the changes in offensive and defensive football. This is why the Kansas City Chiefs, in my opinion, have been built the way they have. If you take Patrick Mahomes out of the equation, they still have a great team. The fact that they arranged it to trade up and get Patrick Mahomes, to me, shows the brilliance of the Kansas City Chiefs, Andy Reid, and their entire organization. 49ers back next year? They're going to fight what the Rams just fought through this season, came up uh, themselves short, didn't even make the playoffs after going to the Super Bowl last year. Um, I think that the 49ers won't have that issue because defensively and running the ball, that's the strongest part of their team. And they've got a great play caller in Kyle Shanahan. Um, I think right now, you know, um, Jimmy Garoppolo is their biggest question mark. Mm-hmm. And do I think they can get back there? Yeah, I do. But they're going to have, you know, kind of what the Chiefs are going to have to face. It's everybody's best shot this year. But right. they were able to take it last season. And they're going to have to come back. with. And somehow Kyle Shanahan's going to have to, uh, you know, up their, I guess, psyche to take that on. Mm-hmm. And and play as though they're going to get everyone's best shot just like the Kansas City Chiefs will. This, this upcoming season. All right. Do you have any final thoughts before we go on to uh, recap of the year? No, I don't. All right. Well, going. you know, uh, early on I was dumbfounded by the Steelers losing Ben Roethlisberger so early in for the season. Uh, the defense finally stepped up after a few games, became one of the top defenses in the league. I said go with them every week, week after week, and that was a good choice. The offense, we just kind of backed off at that point. Well, I kind of like you, I often – I'll defer back to the Bears, and I wasn't dumbfounded, but in the fourth game of the season, a game I was at, where the Bears played the Vikings, Trubisky got hurt early in the game with a serious shoulder injury. Chase Daniel comes in and plays a solid, even a very well-played game for him, and defensively, they shut down the Vikings, they dominate the game, and I'm thinking the Bears, from that point forward, have their quarterback for the season. Unfortunately, I think the Bears inserted Trubisky back in the lineup and then their season fell apart. This is a team that was, a lot of people thought, including myself, would be a Super Bowl contender. And and instead, their defense didn't dominate like they had the season before. The running game with David Montgomery really never materialized. And Trubisky himself, That was a big surprise for me. Me too. But I think had they had a passing game, um, you know, a dominant passing game like the Chiefs, I think the Bears could have had a much more effective running game. 
Yeah, I'm going to pick up on the Bears on that too. I know we were going to get to them later, but let's do it now. The defense, as you mentioned, was supposed to take the lead. Often did, often, but not often enough. You know, and that left it up to Trubisky, and at times it was up to him as far as was he up to it not often enough again so we bigged off him often enough to say we were good there i want to go right back now to um the uh new england patriots now neither one of us really liked new england this year especially after early successes over the weaker teams in the hard league. to not like a team i know even though when the, what were they 10 and 0 11 yeah and 0? yeah i mean it was phenomenal but they were beating team and we were saying this week after week they're beating the jets they're beating miami and it was just you know uh, beat washington right you know so they weren't beating anybody and we just did not like tom brady as a fantasy pick at all this year and and we were right on well okay the new england's defense carried them this year i mean they were statistically one of the best defenses of all time through the first 10 or 11 games of the season. But like you just said, they played really, they did not play a very, any, uh, I'd say, um, dominant type of offenses. The minute they did, the minute they ran up against Baltimore and teams like that, they got pounded. And I thought, you know, my preseason prediction was Gronkowski was going to come back and unretire. Right. That never, Game eight. <laughs> right. That never materialized, even though a lot of other people start talking about that around that time as well. And currently, with him not coming back, their pa- the Patriots passing game never materialized. Right. Uh, in past years, Brady had a talent to overcome a lack of receiving playmakers around him some years. And then this year, however, the GOAT, as some people like to call mm-hmm. him, I don't, I never will. Uh, as he was the GOAT. Uh, and right <laughs> he this year Bo he wasn't the goat right. in terms of being the greatest of all time right. we're not even close he was the animal this week yeah <laughs> Tennessee started out as one of the worst teams in the league. I mean, we were kind of laughing at them early on until they they benched Marcus Mariota and they put in Ryan Tannehill, and then things just turned around. And then when Derrick Henry became the league's most feared running back, we plugged him in every week and with abandon, and we were right on there every week. It's amazing, isn't it? How Tannehill finally became the clutch quarterback the Dolphins thought they were getting when right. they drafted him, uh, and then you combine that with uh, Derrick Henry's dominant running. Uh, game and the stellar defense they were playing, Tennessee became this season's Cinderella story down the stretch and deep into the playoffs, beating the Patriots and the Baltimore Ravens. I love that team at the end. You know, right. and love Derrick Henry. It was like, okay, put him in there, 180 yards, lock it in, you know. <laughs> Dallas Cowboys, boy, what an enigma they were. Perhaps the best roster in football. And at the end of the year, they missed the playoffs and they fired their coach. Now, we were good in picking Zeke Elliott and Dak Prescott for fantasy points all year, and we were correct. The Cowboys, a bit of a disarray right now. Extremely frustrating season for all Cowboy players, coaches, and fans. Some games they look like the best team in football, only to not show up as the same team the following week. To me, that's a reflection of the head coach. I think it was the right decision to finally fire Jason Garrett. Really? And I do. And we'll have to wait and see, of course, with Mike McCarthy how that works out. Because McCarthy himself had plenty of subpar seasons with Green Bay with loaded teams talent-wise. So I don't know how that's going to play out, but obviously we'll have to find out. Jerry Jones really did look elsewhere. He picked McCarthy. I mean, you know, uh, he... Did the Rooney rule because he had to. Right. You know, and I think there was a shot from Roger Goodell at his state of the um, uh, league address mm-hmm. where he said, we have to do a better job on dealing with the Rooney rule and diversity. And I think that that choice to hire McCarthy and really what they sift through two other coaches. Right. One of them being, was it Marvin Jones? Right. And yeah, th- it never looked like they really did much. 
I'm sure they did, but it didn't look on the surface right. like they had done much background. You know, this, I, this brings up something else because the San Francisco 49ers have a female coach now. Mm-hmm. And is the Rudy rule going to be expanded to include your search for a head coach to include a woman? Add that diversity. <laughs> I don't. That's a good question. I don't think that's going to be ever um, a consideration. But that doesn't mean it shouldn't be. So that's obviously, as you said, Roger Goodell mentioned um, in his address that the Rooney Rule has to change. Maybe that's one of the things that has to change about it. I think it's going to happen. I really do. Well, yeah. It may be a long time before we get a woman head coach, but we do have a woman coach. You know, and she was in the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> right. Be interesting, right? If there would be, a, what, will, what will come first, a woman president or a woman head football coach in the NFL? Boy, that's that's a good question. Uh, you know, I don't know if I want to bet on that one. <laughs> Cleveland Browns, oh my, what a waste of fantasy season, huh? Nothing could have been worse. We were not the only ones picking Beckham during the season, but we begged off just a little bit, but it was a little late to do that, too. Offensively, Cleveland was strong everywhere, but along their offensive line, and in my opinion, at quarterback. The Browns and Baker Mayfield, though, now are married for a while longer at least, And but the O-line is where Kevin Stefanski, the new head coach, mm-hmm. I think is going to have to build back up through the draft and free agency. He's also going to have to establish a culture of discipline amongst the players and throughout the building because that's something they sorely lacked oh, yeah. this past season. Uh, horrible this season. I mean, uh, watching Beckham on the sidelines just throw a fit at Baker Mayfield because throw me the ball. Right. You know. Jets were supposed to improve with Le'Veon Bell. Ha ha. Uh, we liked him early on and then dumped him early after that. And we were right there too. There's just nothing going on good with that team. The confuse, the most confusing performance among the Jets offensive players to me though was Sam Darnold. Yeah. His progress faltered dramatically from the season before. That may be a reflection of the head coach too and Adam Gase. Not because or because New York has playmakers in addition to Bell. You got Robbie Anderson. They got Jameson Crowder and others. Darnold couldn't have looked worse than he did this year against the Patriots. And i that's something that's got to change for them to get better and now start contending for that division. Well, the Eagles, they were a team which couldn't fight off the injuries. It led to their demise. Uh, we like Carson Wentz, but we had to back off him a lot with good reason. I mean, receivers were just not able to stay healthy. He couldn't, there wasn't anybody for him to throw to. Yeah, I, the way Wentz played in the second half of the season, despite having no healthy wide receivers and completely relying on tight ends Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, along with some screen passes and a good enough running game, Makes me hopeful for an Eagle resurgence though next season. Mm-hmm. You like the you like the Eagles next year? I do. I, Carson Wentz, I think, is a phenomenal quarterback, and it showed late in the season when, again, nobody to throw the ball to, at least on paper, and yet bet- between he and what uh, um, the head coach uh, was calling the, the play caller, you got like Miles too. Exactly. Yeah, and Boston was great, and you know, I think I think they're. This season was a struggle for them, mainly just they couldn't stay healthy offensively. Next year, they're going to come back in. Everyone's going to be healthy to start the year, and I think we'll see a different Eagles team. Seattle Seahawks, they were as good as Russell Wilson was, but the issue was not Russell Wilson. It was keeping their running backs healthy. One after another, week after week, especially toward the end, that put us in a position to pick the next man up. And that worked until there was no next man to step up. They just weren't there. (laughs) I agree with you, but... D.K. Metcalf at receiver, the one out of Mississippi, became, I think, the receiver Russell Wilson has never had in Seattle. And next season, they'll have all the running backs healthy again, a strong defense, 
one of the two or three best QBs in the game in Russell Wilson, and their strongest receiving core, maybe ever. And Metcalf is on my fantasy team as a keeper. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy. You know, he was one of my early picks. L.A. Rams. Uh, L.A. Rams, another team which, which couldn't hold it together week to week. The defense was good most of the time. We did recommend them, but we couldn't stick with Todd Gurley often. And Goff was just inconsistent. One week, great. Another week, not so great. He had like 500 yards passing one week and then like 150 the next week. He gave us an issue that week to week on which Jared Goff was going to show up. Which one of them? We, we, we were never able to figure that out. Right. But. Looking ahead, what they do have is one of the game's brightest young head coaches in Sean McVay, a great base of defensive talent, beginning with the NFL's best all-around player in Aaron Donald, great offensive playmakers, an upcoming draft in which they can solidify the offensive line, which had gotten depleted with a couple of departures from the year before, and perhaps maybe add some running back depth. I see the Rams not unlike the Seahawks. A young team had a difficult time duplicating the success of their previous season, but that's still young and hungry. I I, I definitely think they need to go after a running back early. Uh, I think you're right on the O-line, but I think uh, they're going to have to either through a trade or I I just don't see Gurley continuing on. Uh, He's just not Todd Gurley. Right. I mean, hey, when the 49ers, with Joe Montana at his peak, went out and got Steve Young, mm-hmm. traded for him. Yep. So I think there's no doubt the Rams can do something like that because a lot of times the best motivation is fear of losing your job. Indianapolis. Eric, you love Jacoby Brissett. But I did not. You won more often than me. Uh, we were left giving the nod off and the backup uh, wide receivers who didn't perform like we thought they would, though. Just think of the steep mountain Brissett had to climb last season, beginning with the out-of-nowhere retirement of Andrew Luck, a first-year head coach in Frank Reich, and the loss of, for most of the season, of their best receiver in T.Y. Hilton. I think Jacoby established himself as the overall team leader here, uh, someone the entire team can rely on next season with hopefully a healthy roster to start. I think we'll get to see the best of Jacoby Brissett, which should mean bigger fantasy numbers for all the receivers and running backs around. I could write on there. I really do. Baltimore Ravens. Wow, what a season they had. Huh? We, we go said to go with Lamar Jackson week after week, and he was up to it week after week, as were the tight ends and also Mark Ingram. Uh, I said each week the defense from week one was solid. Took you a few weeks to get there. Uh, you did love <laughs> as Jackson, often, though. often, sometimes life <laughs> does take me a little while to get around. Yeah, you, you had Jackson from the beginning, though. Props early on for you. Well, props to John Harbaugh in training camp to hint that the NFL is going to see something that they've never seen before at his offense. And they they came through. And now we all know that he was alluding to a breakout season for Lamar Jackson and their entire offense. After the Ravens had established this new look, a lot was made out of Greg Roman and his previous success with another drill threat quarterback in San Francisco and Colin Kaepernick. I believe that for the Ravens, though, to carry their regular season success deep into the playoffs next season, Lamar Jackson is going to have to dramatically improve his ability to be accurate with anticipation from the pocket. I think you're right on there. You know, he's such a dynamic talent. The big thing is keeping him healthy. You know, I think, and he's so much of that offense that moving forward, I think they've got to design some some other plays to, you know, keep him healthy, make sure he, you know, he's so dangerous when he gets out of the pocket. But, it, you know, you just look at the situation. It's, it could, you know, you end up maybe with another... Um, um, uh, Michael um, Vick, Michael Vick, yeah. and some other uh, possibly, but think about historically in the NFL, some of the great dual threat quarterbacks: Roger Staubach, 
Joe Montana, Steve Fran Tarkenton. Fran Tarkenton. Uh, some guys that helped define being a dual threat quarterback. They stuck around for a lot of time, a long time, That's without true. you know necessarily. Everyone immediately jumps to well, if he's a dual threat quarterback, automatically he's going to get hurt. Lamar Jackson didn't get hurt this year. And then there's Bobby Douglas, who was sort of a dual threat quarterback who couldn't throw. So. <laughs> or Greg Cook. Greg Cook yeah, was oh a golly, Cincinnati yeah. Bengal. Maybe we'll get on his way to maybe becoming one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. One year. One year, tears his rotator cuff, and it's never it's the over. same. Buffalo Bills with Josh Allen. Talk about dual threats. You made a believer out of me about week seven, but I did like this team earlier than that, the team itself. So you were right on with these guys. Josh Allen made a believer out of all of us. One of the biggest one-year quarterback improvements in execution I've ever seen. Many experts thought that Sean McDermott and the Bills were crazy for drafting him in the first round in 2018. I said after studying his film that if he could just cut down on the unforced errors, that he would improve big time. Well, he did. And because of he did, that the Bills as a whole won the close games that the season before they didn't. So in this process, I think the Bills have now become Josh Allen's team, and he's their clear leader and captain. Green Bay, another team fighting injuries, uh, but the two errands were recommendable each week, and we did up until the playoffs. We did select some wideouts who did not perform up to snuff. Well, as painful as this is for me to acknowledge, Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones are part of the Packers team that became one of the top teams this year in the NFC, beating my Bears and Lions twice. This offseason, leading up to the draft, Matt LaFleur and his staff, they're going to have to fill some key positions, possibly along the offensive line, because as you pointed out, Rodgers had his most difficult games against aggressive pass mm-hmm. rushers, as all quarterbacks are going to have, but he did also. And if the Packers can improve enough up front, um, I think, you know, and give Rodgers the kind of protection that Mahomes received from his offensive line against teams like the 49ers in the Super Bowl, then maybe the Packers can get back to that Super Bowl hunt next season. Well, the Falcons, about the only reliable player there was Matt Ryan. And, and while we kept recommending the wideouts, Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, only Jones was consistent enough to stick with. Calvin Ridley really had a fall off from at least the touchdown category, which huge part for fantasy football. It happened to coincide with Julio Jones resurging yeah, at that same it's time. True. <laughs> so I think the Falcons, their biggest hole to fill was the loss of Tevin Coleman mm-hmm. to the 49ers. Devontae Freeman just couldn't get back into the form that helped Atlanta nearly win the Super Bowl the season before. With their strong receivers, you mentioned both Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, along with Austin Hooper tied in. He was strong this year. I feel the Falcons need to draft a top-tier running back and then at least offensively, they'll get themselves back in the playoff picture. I think you're exactly right there. Yeah, because, um, you know, Devontae Freeman's been falling off for several years now, and the year before he was just kind of almost not even there. And they let Coleman go. You know, I was surprised at that. And, of course, he ends up on a Super Bowl team. So, mm-hmm. uh, Houston Texans, I probably went with Deshaun Jackson too often. He was good but not solid week to week. The defense was shoddy and inconsistent too. DeAndre Hopkins was a weekly start, and you really liked this guy. I believe that strongly in the Texans, just like you do. I, I believe their defense was their weak link. Bill O'Brien and his staff should concentrate on trying to build their roster like the 49ers have and like the Cowboys did back in the 90s. Defensive line, pass rush. They can also use a dominant running back like an Ezekiel Elliott or Derrick Henry if there is one in this year's draft. Yeah, somebody they haven't had for a, uh, a while. Who's the running back they had for several years? 
uh, it was oh, I, I was just thinking about him the other day, but uh, he was there for a number of years and yeah, uh, I can't led the league in rushing. Right, it's back when I was playing. Yeah. Um, hmm. Anyway. It'll come to me. Probably too late, <laughs> it'll come to me. Uh, the Giants came alive when Daniel Jones came on. You you called for him to start in week one, and they finally did give him the opportunity, and he proved he was worth the play. Uh, we began to call his number every week. Like Jacoby Brissett, Daniel Jones had to replace a future Hall of Famer in Eli Manning. Only Jones had to do it in midseason. But the combination of Jones and Saquon Barkley should give the Giants the foundation of a respected and productive offense for many years. Consequently, and perhaps more importantly, at least to you and I, uh, fantasy football relevant for, for quite a while. Yeah, I think so too. I really do. And Eli's done. Eli retired. And it's, it's kind yeah. of, no more the Mannings. Man, the Mannings are out. All three Mannings gone now. Carolina Panthers had one player to stick with, and that was running back Christian McCaffrey. Eric liked Cam Newton. I did not, but an injury took him out early, so it really didn't matter. He was out for most of the season. Uh, you know, you mentioned, uh, who were, who did you mention was the big enigma earlier in the year? Oh, Dallas. Uh, well, I think perhaps the biggest person that is an enigma this past season was Cam Newton. Hard to say what direction the Panthers and new head coach Matt Rule are going to go with Cam now, but if they decide to go with Kyle Allen, which I think they should, then Allen will get the lion's share of the offseason reps and also be able to leapfrog on whatever leadership within the team he was able to establish this season. That's true. And then there's the Minnesota Vikings. Cook solid from week to week, and we said so. Kirk Cousins strong, but strangely inconsistent, at least to me. Correct. I, I too, think Cousins... Cousins was inconsistent, at least fantasy football-wise. But I think what Cousins did was establish himself as the Vikings' offensive leader. Remember, 2018, just the season before Kirk's first with the Vikings, his numbers were strong, but he made constant mistakes with fumbles, interceptions when the game was on the line. This year was vastly different. They went to New Orleans in the playoffs and came out with a victory. I like everything Minnesota is doing, both offensively and defensively, Having a very solid offensive line and Delvin Cook to help carry the load on offense makes me very optimistic for them fantasy football-wise and just as a team in 2020. Bottom of the league, Redskins, just awful. No one here was worth a shot. We stuck with that. Same with Jacksonville, Miami. The Lions had their big issues. The Bucks, Cardinals, along with Oakland, now Las Vegas, Cincinnati, Denver, and the Chargers. You mentioned about half the league. <laughs> so out of all the teams you just mentioned, though, I think Denver will be the most improved team in 2020 because of the promise Drew Luck showed us this season mm-hmm. and their head coach, longtime defensive guru Vic Fangio. And you already love their tight end, Noah Frant, right. who also had some very strong performances. He and Luck have clearly formed a connection. There. Uh, and I, I like the tight end uh, from the Lions, too. Uh, he, he was strong all year. Uh, what's his name? Off the top of your head? <laughs> he got me again. Another, he went to Iowa. I know that, right? Along with the rest of the NFL. Everyone's team has an NFL tied in from Iowa now. Yeah. Well, you know, it was interesting because the first week he was really strong. And Hawk, Hawk, um, Hawkinson. Hawkinson. Right, um, yeah. And he was strong the first week. And all of a sudden, we were all thinking, wow, this is great. You know, it's going to be the guy. It's like, where'd he go? And he got injured. And then he came back. And then he got injured. And it was like. But you know what? Next year, I think, I think he great. will be the guy. I do, He's too. got an excellent quarterback throwing him the ball. They've got 
you know, weapons all around him. I think he's going to have a good year. Philip Rivers. Where does Philip Rivers end up? Is he going to be the Chargers again? I mean, it's, well, now he's know. based, living-wise at least, in Florida, it looks like. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if he's going to want to keep coming back. Maybe he will. I'm sure there's a team out there yeah. that would like to have him for at least a couple of years, which is probably all he's got left. And I guess it depends on where Tom Brady signs. Which is crazy to me to hear today. I heard, is he going to get, what, what is the fatuation that people have saying he's going to Tennessee? Especially now, yeah. the Tannehill is, like, Tom Brady is not the quarterback anywhere for the next 10 years. Yeah. Tannehill is. Yeah. So I don't get the, the connection to me where maybe there would have been, it would have been worth talking about earlier in the year. With Tom Brady going to Tennessee now, I don't think that's And, and you know, it's, it's New England uh, supposedly has offered him $30 million to stay. Yeah, that's a lot of money to hang around Boston for another few years. You right. Know? Well, I, I think that their owner is trying to make it look like if he doesn't come back, it's not because he didn't offer them the money. Mm-hmm. I think if he doesn't come back, I think what uh, their owner, uh, 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 Robert Kraft, wants right. to get the message across to everybody is if he doesn't come back, it's not because I didn't offer him the money. Right. It's because Belichick didn't want him. You know, and, and the other thing is, you know, you look at uh, Oakland now, Las Vegas. Is that a distraction? I mean, is... is it, it was it, for it, a week there with Derek Carr. Yeah. You know, and I can't... I don't get that either. I don't I don't think Tom Brady is going to be going... To, I, I think the marriage itself between he and John Gruden wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. And... Um, as much as Gruden probably loves the idea of Tom Brady, Tom Brady at 43 is probably not the Tom Brady that true that uh, the Raiders would want to have. I, to me, he's in the bottom half of talent-wise of quarterbacks right now in the NFL. Well, you know, and then you look at Arizona where you got Kyler Murray and he's offensive rookie of the year this year. And does that team improve? I mean, does it or? Does it, where does that go? I mean, I'm, I'm not a big fan of Arizona. I'm not either. And I don't think they did a lot this year to show me that they're going to contend next year. But I think they showed more than I thought they would show in terms of their just overall competency as a team, offensively, defensively. Kyler Murray, I think, showed me a lot this year. I saw a, a mock draft where they take Jerry Judy from Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're going to do things, I think, to improve their offense, hopefully not at the expense of their defense. You know, I'm not going to let you close this thing out until you uh, hear about what, what your thoughts are on the Lions, one of your teams. Well, I think that, gosh, that, that is a hard team to figure out, too, because they've got, you know, Matt Patricia, who. Uh, for years as a defensive coordinator there in New England, put together some, some great uh, defenses. And I think looking at what I think he would like to do is carry that forward. They've got probably one of the top maybe 10 quarterbacks in the NFL um, in Matthew Stafford. They've got you know weapons around him, like we just mentioned, they're tied in in um, Hawkinson. Uh, Hawkinson. And they've got, you know... Uh, uh, Bo Scarborough, a running back. They've got a decent offensive line. They've got, you know, I think they've got some holes to fill. Um, you know, they've got Galladay at receiver, but they've got other holes to fill within the receiving core. They're trying to sign, or they potentially might draft the quarter, uh, cornerback out of Alabama, who I also saw in a, in a mock draft scenario. But they've, uh, they've got to become, I think, a dominant defense to be a true contender in the second half of the season. Well, especially in that division. 
Yeah, well, just in the NFL, think about all the teams that were there at the end this year. They all had fantastic defenses. Even Kansas City, they came, they started out kind of up and down mm-hmm. off defensively throughout the year, and then until maybe the last you know third of the season. And I think that's what every team, including the Lions, are going to have to do: establish a defensive that's a defense that is dominant. Coming back from an injury like Ben Roethlisberger had. Um, throwing elbow, the whole thing. What do you think? You know, he's obviously got most of this season to rehabilitate. He's going to have the next couple of months before the off-season program gets started in March. Um, And, you know, he says he's going to be back at full strength. Um, I don't know the extent of the injury to his elbow uh, from a you know, medical standpoint and how that's going to play out. But I would think that, you know, he's kind of on his last run here too. Mm-hmm. You know, he's probably got what two, two, pro- probably two, two, maybe three at the outside. But I, th- right. I think it's really so. I don't think two. there's a big window. I think, you know, they showed defensively that they are as good. They're certainly one of the top defenses in the league with Roethlisberger back. Offensively, they've got the potential to be one of the stronger teams and be there down, you know, that in for that playoff hunt. So yeah, I think Ben could come back and, um, you know, prove uh, again that, you know, th- just the season before mm-hmm. he was one of the top quarterbacks. Oh yeah, two yeah. four five thousand yards. The talk was, can he come in and cut down some of those ga- uh, interceptions? And who knows what he's going to end up coming up with next year? But I think elbow wise, I think he'll be all right. There you have it. This week's Fantasy Football Podcast. Join me in a couple of weeks where I'm going to do a primer primer on fantasy football. And I'll take a look at, um, over the next few weeks, uh, past fantasy years, Stratomatic, and some other fantasy games. Then in April, Eric and I will sit down and evaluate the NFL draft before we start again in the late summer to evaluate the teams heading into the NFL's 101st season. So you can find us on Radio.com, the mobile app, iTunes, Stitcher, Libsyn, wherever you get your podcasts. Easiest way, perhaps. Uh, Just go to our website, KramerandBrill.com, the podcast list on the podcast page or you can find them by clicking at the top of the homepage. Just check it out, KramerandBrill.com. Podcast property of Brill Productions, any unauthorized use such as charging for its contents is strictly prohibited. We do encourage you, however, to share the podcast for free. For Eric Kramer, I'm Bob Brill.